Hello, everybody. Val Pancakes here, and joining me tonight on the stack is Paradigm Pro Wrestling Gary Wilson. And you are the head of the Blue Brand. Is that that's, that's how correct. you distinguish yourselves? Correct. Okay. We have uh, two kind of brands of Paradigm: the Blue Brand and the Red Brand. I'm the matchmaker for the Blue Brand, uh, and I come on the company as well. And the Blue Brand is kind of where the UWFI rules, British rounds, and terminal combat matches live. Correct. And that, or anything wild or different. <laughs> we try to be eccentric at, at the Blue Brand. <laughs> and, you know, that helps set Paradigm apart from other wrestling companies, at least in my eyes. I don't know of anybody else that does UWFI rules. Or, like, British rounds and UWFI rules and then terminal combat all on the same night. We did that one. Yeah, see, it's a it's a variety, and yeah. I enjoy that. I try to make sure, you know, if we're doing an IWTV broadcast, that I've got at least three rules explanation videos playing at any given time, you know. <laughs> so, everybody in chat, please welcome Gary Wilson to talk to me about all kinds of good stuff. Um, we'll start off, since you brought it up, and I know that you're probably just like sick to death of explaining, but <laughs> but for people that maybe have only um, caught paradigm in passing or are confused, um, you, can you like briefly explain what UWFI rules are and, and how you, and how you got to them, like how you settled on that. So I'll explain the rule set first, and then I'll kind of go into the story of how it came to be. Um, but the rule set is essentially a hybrid of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling, uh, meaning that there's, uh, like old school wrestling, there's going to be rope breaks, open hand strikes. Uh, but like MMA, the finish can only become via knockout or submission. There is also a point system that is actually based off of kind of a variation of boxing and amateur wrestling. Uh, and I can talk a little bit more about that. The point systems where people tend to get confused. But the easiest way to remember is that more or less the fights are going to end by knockout, which is a 10 count like in boxing, TKO, which is going to be a referee stoppage like an MMA, or tap out submission like in an in MMA. Um, and there is a point system that kind of enforces the rule set. Um, you know, if you break the rules, you lose a point. If you use a rope break, you use, lose a point. Um, you start with 15 points if you run out of points by committing fouls or using rope breaks or being knocked down. You lose three points if you're knocked down from strikes. Um, you lose the match. But points finishes are very rare. 99% of our fights uh, end with a finish. Um, so, like, the main thing to remember is just it's a fight. Um, so, like, go into it more like you would watching MMA than necessarily than you would go into watching wrestling. Um, the way I got into it, was growing up, uh, how we paradigm came to UWFI rules, so to speak, is growing up, uh, the UWFI, the Union of Wrestling Forces International in Japan, ran a series of pay-per-views that were also broadcast in America. And at the time, we had one of those uh, cable scrambler boxes in my house where you could Ill illegally um, watch whatever you wanted. So I used to watch what was called the Barker Channel. And I think it was Channel 2, and it would show you previews of things coming up, movies coming up, fights coming up. Uh, boxing was a big one that I was into, uh, but I caught 
it caught my eyes, these ads for the UWFI, because they kept advertising it as, it's real, it's real, it's real. This is not the WWF, this is real. And I'm like, all right, I got to check this out. So I started watching the product that way. I was a child, and I really kind of fell in love with it. And the UWFI actually predates MMA. So at the time, people didn't really know what a real fight would look like. So when they advertised that it was real, these guys are working much stiffer. Um, the submissions don't look cooperative. They're grappling. When they said it was a shoot, people believed it was a shoot, right? Um, and that's where shoot style pro wrestling comes from. By and large, those fights were works. Uh, some of them were, according to some participants, were actually shoots. But by and large, most of them were cooperative works, like the traditional pro wrestling match. Uh, but it was a very different style. It's a lot more athletic-based, not so much the colorful characters of the WWF. You know, at the same time this is going on, it's like the same areas like Hulk Hogan in the red and yellow. Um, you know, the, or kind of the gimmicks era, really, where you got the Repo Man, Duke Dr the Dumpster Draws, like things like that. It was very different than that. It was much more athletic-based. It was much more like a competition. Uh, you got all these Russians there. So there was that aspect of it. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. I, I loved it. And it was something that really made me fall in love with wrestling. I feel like whatever you grow up on is what you think of as like the best wrestling. Right. So I grew up on that in WCW Nitro. And like, so for me, like the UWFI pay-per-views and like, you know, early Nitro is the best wrestling ever is because it's what I grew up on. Um, so always wanted to run a UWFI show, um, but the rule system is kind of complicated and we were worried that people would not explain it. So one day I just kind of got like a wild hair up my ass and I'm like, I posted on Twitter, hey, if we ran a UWFI rule show, would you watch it? And who would you want to see in it? Um, and this is honestly before anybody really knew who Paradigm was. It was before we had live streamed. We had existed for about a year, but we weren't necessarily like on the radar, so to speak, for a lot of people in Indies. Uh, and that tweet ended up becoming our highest performing tweet ever. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, maybe there is interest in this. I'm like, all right, well, now I guess I got to do it. <laughs> You're committed now. Yeah. So, I, and uh, we just started putting it together. Um, it got over very well. I'm sorry, I'm filibustering you. I'm talking a whole lot. <laughs> this is for you. I'm just here to facilitate. Well, it, it got over very, very well for us. You know, we we had that first uh, Paradigm Grand Prix uh, November 15, 2019. Uh, at the time, it was like our first show to kind of, we'd gotten some, I'm going to say accidental international exposure uh, the month prior. Um, we had a situation where a wrestler pulled a knife on another wrestler, um, and we accidentally, and it was not something that was planned, and we accidentally made a lot of headlines. Uh, like, we were in, like, the sun, even in the UK sun, talking about, like, Paradigm Pro Wrestling and this thing happening, and I'm just like, it's not the look we wanted, but it kind of got people's attention and got it on the radar, and it just so happened our next show, this was our very next show, was the, the Grand Prix where we were doing something kind of different. So luckily that attention that we initially got for a negative reason kind of then looked at the UWFI because people were okay with how we responded to the situation. Obviously it was a terrible situation that we went through uh, with that. Um, no publicity is bad publicity. But that tends to be kind of true in wrestling. And it turned around like, and it got some more attention on us. So we then do the UWFI show um, and people were really into it. Um, you know, we had Stefan Bonner there, who's a UFC Hall of Famer. 
Um, Tom Lawler became a regular for us, was not actually on that show. Uh, I could see he had a scheduling conflict, but we had like Anthony Henry, Dominic Greeny, a lot of people that are associated with like that hard hitting shoot style. We did an initial tournament. Lee Moriarty was there, Calvin Tankman, Brett Isom. Um, you know, we had a lineup of like straight killers in that first tournament. Uh, and that show really, really got over. Um, and, you know, the main event being Matthew Justice and Stephen Bonner uh, having an all-time classic. Stephen Bonner, you know, a guy who main evented in front of 40,000 people in Rio de Janeiro for that UFC. It comes with the Jefferson and Bill Arena, you know, and that was one of our bigger crowds. So I think we had 100, maybe 150 there. So it, it kills it, right? Like you don't expect, I didn't, I'll be honest, as a promoter, I didn't expect Stephen Bonner to do a whole lot. Like, but then he comes in and he's just like, yeah, I'm going to go full force. It's going to be great. And uh, he actually shoot, knocked out Matthew Justice in that match. Um, so, you know, it was kind of crazy. Got over. People really enjoyed it. Uh, so we were like, all right, maybe we can do this again. Uh, you know, this will be at least an annual thing for us or something. So we start, we ran a one-off match in February 2020 under the rule set, Flash Thompson versus Dominic Greeny. It got over again because we wanted to see if we could maybe blend, do a UWFI rules match and a normal match on the same card, see how it would. And great. Uh, and then, of course, the pandemic happens. Um, and IWTV re-aired the Paradigm Grand Prix as part of like this, I think they will call it May Madness, and it was like all tournament shows that they were showing because they didn't have any new content. And I was just like, you know what? Let's do it again. Let's do some more UWFI. Um, so that brought us to our second annual heavy hitters tournament. Um, and we decided to make that tournament partially UWFI rules. Um, and that was our first live stream. That was July of 2020. We were one of the first major kind of indie shows back. And one of IWTV's first major live streams back. You know, they'd done deathmatch shows in June. I want to say we were one of the first non-deathmatch shows. We might have been the first non-deathmatch show back, other than, like, the GCW shows up in Indianapolis. But as far as, like, on IWTV, we were one of the first. Um, so that was a really big audience for us. So we did it again with more UWFI, and people really liked it. And, you know, from that moment on, I think we've been pretty associated with UWFI. Um, and we run half our matches under that. We run, you know, half our shows are blue brand shows, half our shows are red brand shows. The blue brand shows include UWFI. Um, so I just answered in, you know, 14 minutes, just to illustrate you with that answer. But that's how it came to be. That is what I was looking for. Like, again, I'm not important. You're the, you're the, you're the guest. You're the one that people want to listen to and people get plenty enough of me. So, <laughs> so this is, this is your time. So <laughs> You kind of told me, you know, how you got to UWFI and, and how that came about. Um, how did you decide to create your own wrestling company, though? Um, like, to kind of back it up before that, I guess. Sure. Um, I've been in and out of wrestling for a number of years. Um, there was a promotion that ran in Evansville called Coliseum Championship Wrestling that used to run weekly at the uh, Evansville Coliseum, Veterans Memorial Coliseum, which GCW has actually got a show coming up there July 4th. Really cool venue. Uh, but there was a weekly promotion there that ran in a six-sided ring. Um, and I started going to those indie shows as a college student. Um, they, you know, have 10, 14 people in attendance. They were every Wednesday night, but, like, they were, nobody showed up to them. And I was talking to uh, Walt, who was the booker then, and I'm like, let me try and help you do some promotion for this. 
you know, there should be better people here. This wrestling is really good. Um, and he kind of started breaking me into business from there. Uh, so I, I was around it there, kind of fell out of it, um, went to law school, graduate school. And I was like, kind of got back into it. And I was like, I want to do this. Um, so I started training to be a wrestler. I actually trained under Matthew Justice um, to wrestle. Did not have a very long or illustrious wrestling career. I think I probably had less than a half dozen matches. Uh, my body didn't really take to it. I was A, terrible, and B, very uncoordinated. Um, so, But you tried it, you know? So. I tried it. Um, ended up with post-concussion syndrome from it, which was not ideal uh, to be going through during law school, you know, which is pretty academically intense. Uh, but I kind of figured out, like, hey, I can't do both of these right now. But that's where I made a lot of my initial kind of contacts in wrestling. Um, fast forward a little bit. Uh, I'm working in the Pennsylvania State House. Um, and there's a story coming through with the Athletic Commission because blading is, in Pennsylvania, blading is a felony, right? So it's they have an Athletic Commission. If you blade, it's technically a felony. But they can't enforce it because, like, you have to evidentially prove somebody bladed. So they were trying to make it so the athletic commission could uh, issue a civil fine for blading, which is a much lower standard of evidence. So like they could charge, you know, find somebody $5,000 for blading. And like, this is largely in response to CZW, like why this stuff was happening. And I'm like, this is kind of an interesting story. Um, and I was working for a journalistic bureau that um, had some libertarian leanings, like they hate government regulation of any kind. So I'm like, let me do a story on this and see if we can, you know, get to the bottom of it. So, um, I started researching for the story and, uh, I met a guy named Chuck Williams, uh, who was known as rock and rebel, um, in ECW. And he had a pretty terrible ending if you Google him, but, um, I, he was nice to me. I'll say, um, unfortunately he turned out to be a murderer, but, uh, he was, had a promoter's license in Pennsylvania, further broke me into the business, uh, taught me a lot of his, like, how things go. So that's like my next exposure to wrestling. Uh, fast forward, I moved down here for my real job. I moved down to Southern Indiana and I'd make some friends going to IWA Mid-South and we get an opportunity to get involved with another promotion um, and help them with kind of the booking and the promoting of it. Um, the money person pulled out of that promotion, but we decided to go forward with it anyway. Um, and that's how Paradigm uh, kind of got formed. At the time we were, we started at Prodigy Pro Wrestling we changed our name like seven, eight months in. We had uh, falling out with one of the people that was involved. There was originally five of us, there's four of us now. Um, so when we kind of had that falling out, we changed the name thereafter. Um, and that's how we got started. But I kind of had like a weird exposure, like on and off. Like I flirted with the idea of wrestling, got out of it. But it's something, you know, I've always had a lifelong passion for. Uh, always been very interested in uh, but that's that's how we got started. The story of paradigm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the, you know, I, I think everybody, all all four of us that are there full time, has a different kind of story of how we came to it. We're an eclectic bunch, which I think is reflected in the pro, uh, you know, in the product. A lot of us are very different. Yeah, well, and that's I guess that's something that I enjoy about paradigms generally is that there are a lot of different types of matches and you do the UWFI stuff and, you know, British rounds and terminal combat, which 
Did you guys have you guys done one or two terminal combat shows? We've done one. The second terminal combat part two will be July fifteenth, streaming okay. live on TV. Because like I remember watching the first one, and like I was super enthralled. I was like, this is great and awesome and crazy. <laughs> terminal combat was one. So the name reference actually comes from a movie that's got Ken Shamrock in it. Um, it's the, the movie is called champions, although the movie should just be called terminal combat. The idea, this is, uh, it came out when the UFC was kind of new, the no holds barred thing was big, you know, John McCain calling it human cockfighting, you know, that era. They make this movie where Ken Shamrock's like the baddest man alive. Um, and it's about this underground fight league run by Danny Trejo. It's a great movie, by the way, you guys can find it for free on YouTube. It's called Champions. It's this underground fight league run by Danny Trejo that recruits King Shamrock and these other people uh, to fight to the death in a cage. And they call it Terminal Combat is the name of their combat league. So that's where the name came from. Because um, that's one of my favorite 90s B-movies that like almost no one has heard of. Um, we posted some like trivia question where we're going to give away a prize if somebody could come up with like the namesake from it. And like nobody knew it. So it's a fairly obscure movie, but one I love. Um, but the idea beyond that came because uh, the Wrestling Observer had reported that we were going to run a UWFI rules street fight between Stefan Bonner and Tom Lawler. What actually happened was it, just a typo. He, Dave Meltzer misread the press release, which said UWFI rules super fight, which is what we call everything, right? We always call it UWFI rules super fight if it's the main event. But he put it in the reverse UWFI rules street fight. And he's like, this doesn't make sense. You can't mix shoot style and hardcore. And I'm like, well, that's not what we were promoting, but that would actually kind of be awesome. So then we started thinking, how can we do it? And we came up with the timer idea, right? Once you've gone to no rules, you can't go back to no rules, but you can start with the rule set. So we looked to see how long like our average matches ran. And our average match time at the time was like four minutes and 24 seconds, something like that under EW5 rules. They're short sprints. Um, so we decided, hey, you know, if it goes past five minutes, no more rules. And this was during, I had kind of came up with the idea during Indiana's second pandemic shutdown. Um, November 2020, we had to shut back down because there was another resurgence. And um, we ended up running some empty arena shows, but we were just kind of bored and brainstorming and came up with that idea. And we started promoting it. We started promoting that one like six months before we had it because we had the concept before we could actually run the show because I wanted to do that show with fans. Um, so that's like how Terminal Combat came to be. And we're doing it again in July. Um, Twitter asked for it. So the show is a headache to pull off logistically. I can tell you that. Uh, but we're going to do it at least one more time. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> Like, uh, I will be watching on the award-winning IWTV Network. <laughs> IWTV's great. Uh, our main event on that show is Ron Mathis versus Tom Lawler. Uh, we've also got Dominic Garini versus Bobby Beverly. Uh, so a couple really good matches that, that blend, you know, that hardcore aspect against the shoot-style aspect. Um, and then we've also got two title fights. Uh, Jordan Blade is going against Eden Von England in a rematch of their match that went to a draw. And uh, Austin Conley is going to face Max the Impaler, which is another uh, rematch. Uh, that Max the Impaler was actually the last person to get a victory over Austin Conley for us. So that, that's a rematch there. Well, I'm excited. I like all those people. I want to watch them like brutally fight each other. 
So I see no drawback, at least for me. I'm not doing the promoting or the fighting or the um, logistics of all of this. I'm just a fan. And I'm glad that I can be a fan by with these things. So <laughs> It's just hard to run hardcore right now because like, uh, with the pandemic, uh, building supply costs went way up. So like the cost of think of that. People don't realize this because like we buy you can often get doors used, but in a pinch we buy our doors new. Um and the cost of doors has like tripled since I started running shows. So people don't think about that. When I do a match with seven doors, that match is very expensive to run on an indie wrestling card and hard to pull off. So like that's why terminal combat's kind of hard, because you know, in theory we've got seven, eight hardcore matches. Uh the weapons budget is a lot i always like wonder like in my head like how do you get all of these things because it does seem very like prohibitively expensive in some ways so like like part of me just like i don't know like i saw like a somebody was joking around and post on twitter about a craigslist ad for a free door and i was like I know a ton of people that would jump in a free door. <laughs> My wife legit saw a door on the side of the road once, stopped and put it in her car and brought it home so we'd have it for a show. So, yeah, people do jump for the free doors. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I mean, the, the light tubes as well. If you can get that stuff used, it's great. But when you got to buy new, and we have had that buy new before, um, it, it gets very, very expensive. Uh, the light tubes? is another one that I'm kind of like there's so like companies use so many light tubes and like to just buy them all new and then just smash them like that's gotta cost so much money <laughs> but like it looks really cool and I really like the sound of like light tube blast it's like a little rain stick it's calming so our show at the collective <laughs> 2020 uh, we were running a bit behind schedule in terms of like procuring weapons, and we had three death matches on that show. So we actually went to Menards, which is a local home improvement store, and bought all of we these. We have Menards here. Okay, Menards is great. I love Menards. <laughs> yeah. We actually <laughs> Menards for weapons. Uh, we bought every new light tube they had um, that would fit it. So I think we used like 800 light tubes or something crazy that show. Maybe not 800. But a lot. I don't know. It was super expensive. Probably not 800. 800 is too many. I don't know. There was a ton of glass on that. If you watch that show from the collective, there was three matches of, with lots and lots of glass. I was at that show. That was one of my favorite shows we've done. I, I had a blast that whole weekend. That was honestly the first indie wrestling thing I did outside of my local area. And boy, howdy, did that really start me on a path that is very expensive but enjoyable yeah i mean indie wrestling is expensive for everybody including the girls <laughs> I, I can assure you of that um but you know it's a passion project for all of us so it's worth it like what's like so other than just buying outright and like probably craigslist free ads where where like what are some of the weirder places you've procured weapons anything like crazy weird or just like mostly normal stuff 
Well, this is a trade secret, but uh, we're not the only promotion that does it. Habitat for Humanity has what are called youth doors. So um, those are very popular with wrestling promoters to buy youth doors. Uh, we had another wrestler who was the property manager of an apartment complex, and they were actually remodeling and replacing all of their doors. So he kept all of the old doors. They were getting rid of their closet doors. So uh, people who don't know this, we had a, a run of doors matches in 2019. The reason we had so many was we were rich in doors. We had as many doors as we wanted from this apartment complex. Um, so we ran, we created one of our signature match types, which is a best of seven doors match. Um, now when I run that, that match is almost prohibitively expensive because I got to buy seven doors, but these doors we were able to get basically for free um, from an uh, apartment complex. That's awesome. Like, that's the match. You're like, we had just doors coming out of our ears. So we're like, yeah, best of seven doors. We got, we got so many laying around. <laughs> The rest, I, and I'm not going to give his name because I don't want to get him. Oh, trouble. no. The, the property management place didn't know he was doing it. But he came up with the idea for the match. He's like, man, I got all these doors. We got to do that. We, we got to just use these. And I'm like, all right, all right, we can do that. Got all these doors. <laughs> India wrestling's great. <laughs> but who has had the most influence on you both in and out of wrestling? Just kind of transitioning out of UWFI and doors to, to you. Gary the man. In and out of wrestling. Um, and they can be different people if that is. Out of wrestling, my biggest influence has probably been um, my father, just in general. My dad is not a wrestling fan, um, but in terms of like pushing me to go to law school, get my law degree, become a lawyer. Um, I used to live abroad. I lived in South America, helping me do that. Um, that kind of formed the core of who I am, I think, even more so than wrestling. Uh, so I'd say my dad there, um, inside of wrestling. Inside of wrestling is tough because if I give the, you know, if, if I name certain names, certain people would get mad. Um, if you don't think- want... If you want to, no, I'm going to answer, but I'm going to go way out of the blue uh, and answer people won't expect. I'm going to say Ian Rodden. Hmm. Ian Rodden and John Thorne. Um, you know, walk, go into their shows um, and see how they promoted wrestling and they came up with it. Um, you know, I don't get along with Ian Rodden now. Um, John and I are friends, but I, I don't get along with Ian. Just fine. I, but I respect his product. I respect his vision he had. Uh, you know, he ran some great shows, and, and same with John Thorne, and those were shows I used to go to and see, um, and they formed a lot of my opinions on what I like and introduced me to a lot of talent. Um, you, you know, uh, you can still see the Ohio influence from AIW, I think, in uh, Paradigm. You know, we've got a lot of talent from Ohio. Now. That's, yes, on it, you know, a little unexpected, but just because I again and I am very new to independent wrestling but if it's somebody that I've heard of in um, presented in a specific way (laughs) it's always interesting when people kind of like even even though they have a reputation they can still do some good yeah I mean you gotta yeah you know uh, a, a good show is a good show. 
kind of regardless and you, you, you can learn from it either way there's we try hard at paradigm to be positive with the community and only have people in the community that we would want to hang out with and be friends with outside of wrestling uh, but that's not always historically been the case in wrestling um so it becomes that conundrum you know of can you separate the work from the worker in terms of that but i, I think things can be learned from all eras of wrestling and all wrestlers uh, and all promoters despite you know what i might think about certain things about them outside of wrestling so what keeps you motivated in wrestling what keeps you doing shows i retire every other day I'm always like, this is going to be my last show. I'm getting out. Uh, legit, I was very close to quitting. Paradigm probably would have continued, but I was really burnt out going into February 2020. Um, I had really wanted to run a UWFI show. I did it. I had accomplished most of the goals I had for wrestling. And I'm like, uh, the show we were going to run in March 2020, Heavy Hitters 2, when it was Virgin Central Flair. So it was going to be the last show I was going to promote. Um, you know, I was exhausted to be honest then the pandemic hits and wrestling got taken away from me and then i think i realized how much i needed wrestling how much i appreciated wrestling how much wrestling meant to me um i quit drinking about seven years ago um and i was a problematic drinker and wrestling kind of helped fill that void of keeping me busy keeping me out of trouble giving me something to do and like i really kind of missed it you know the pandemic happens everything gets taken from you and you're just like, oh, man. Uh, so one of the things that kept me sane was like planning heavy hitters too. Uh, you know, trying to plan around it, trying to get the venue, dealing with insurance, uh, trying to run safely during the pandemic, um, things like that. It, it was just, you know, I was able to kind of really focus my energies there. Um, and that kind of reinvigorated me. And I've been running off of that for, you know, a good two years. I really enjoyed our first run of empty arena shows as well. Um, that those were a lot of fun to do uh, but then as I was getting tired um, I started getting tired again this year I'll be honest which is one of the reasons why uh, we filmed eight episodes at contenders the blue the blue branded why we filmed two months of TV was to give myself a, a little bit of a break then we're coming back in July um, but I, I needed about like 60 days to just kind of rest and catch up because wrestling can be very tiring but it makes me happy at the same time I can understand that. It's a it's a lot of work, but when the payoff is good, it's like, okay, that was all worth it. No, exactly. Like, when you run a great show, okay, so it's the highest and highest and lowest and lowest, because there's been shows I've left where I'm just like, man, the crowd didn't do what I wanted them to, you know, the draw wasn't what I was hoping it for, and I didn't even really like the show that much, because, like, I, I'm always able to overlook those things, because, you know, our audience has been up and down, it's like indie wrestling, like, I can get past a bad audience if, like, I'm like, oh, I really like that show, but sometimes you just have that trifecta though, and objectively speaking, the show's actually pretty good, you know, it got good feedback, good response, people have seemed to enjoy it, but I was not real satisfied with the show, um, and it's not on any of the wrestlers, like, I wasn't even mad at any specific in-ring things, I was just kind of mad at the overall show, and part of that's the writing, my perfectionism, things like that. And like, there's nothing worse than that coming out of the show. And I was just like, man, I'm fucking done. I'm done. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then it turns around, you know, we do our next show. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is some of the most fun I've ever had. Like, why would I ever walk away from this? 
and, and you know, it's a complete turnaround within like 45 days. Um, and you know, the show that really kind of brought me back was we did a UWFI taping December uh, last year, um, season four, uh, was probably the most fun I've ever had at wrestling. We, we taped like 37 matches that night. Um, 36, I think, which is probably what our limit should be. We did 40 for season five. I think it was too many. Um, but I thought uh, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that show brought me back, and I was happy with it. And um, so, you know, it's just that roller coaster emotion and that high you get after that show, that good show, that, that show that was, you know, from a business standpoint, pretty good for us. Like, uh, and from a crowd standpoint, the crowd we had there made good money noise. I was happy with the product, the ring. Um, you know, I was happy with people stepping up and how they presented themselves. There's nothing better than that. You know, that that's like a, it's like the best high in the world. That I I can understand where that would be. It kind of like one month it's great, the next month the next time it's terrible. But like always chasing that, like that great. Yeah, and the great ones will feel you. You know, I can generally get four or five months out of them. Um, the joke I make with uh, some of the talent and you know with uh, my co-promoters is, you know, I just need to get a little manic, and then I'll plan three, four more shows, so that'll get me through the next wave. <laughs> when I've decided that I want to quit and want to walk away from it, I'm never going to cancel a show, so then we'll be fine. Yeah, you just have to have something to do. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, that keeps it running. Uh, we were trying to do a monthly split where we were, Paradigm was going to run twice a month, Blue Brand and Red Band. And I think that was honestly too much. Uh, so for my part, Blue Brand is probably going to run more like eight times a year, uh, including some longer tapings. But that seems to be about the good rhythm. Um, you know, I help out on Red Brand shows and I am involved uh, with that side too, but I, I don't book those shows. So there's a lot less... Uh, weight on my shoulders for those shows. You know, I'm not doing the talent relations aspect of it. I'm not writing the shows and things like that. Um, just trying to, but trying to do all of it is too much. Yeah, I can understand where that would get to be a lot. And that it's nice to be able to just work the show the day of and not have to worry about all these like 50,000 emails from 72 different people the same talent asking you what time they have to be at the show every time. And you're like, I already told you. <laughs> yeah, like last minute cancellations too. Um, oh. Been a nightmare for wrestlers lately. Uh, the taping you were at. Yeah. I had. I was I all over the place. I want to say, granted, I booked like 45 wrestlers from there, so it was fine. But I want to say we had 15 cancellations for that show. 15. Like that's more than some shows book. Like, as far as people go, I had 15 cancellations. We were literally rewriting those episodes as the show was going. I felt like an old episode of Nitro, you know, where Bischoff was just writing the show on the fly. We were literally doing it. Because, like, wrestlers were like, oh, I got to head out. And I'm like, well, you're supposed to be in this match later. And it's fine. I'll figure it out. Weber Hatfield, can you go wrestle another match, please? Um, You know, and things like that. Uh, But, you know, the wrestlers really, the wrestlers that were able to be there and healthy really, kind of pushed it through for us and made that, you know, still a positive experience. I, I love that taping. I came out of that really happy with those eight episodes we got. Um, and it ended up being good. But like that story, we've got, I won't spoil it, but there's a whole storyline 
There's a whole season-long storyline that pays off on the season finale. That was all written that morning. Not even that morning. Not even that morning. That was all written at 4 o'clock, you know, before the show started. So, like, and, you know, we completely changed the direction in our company. Like, over the course of those eight episodes, we decided at 4 o'clock that day. So, you know, those are long days sometimes. Long, manic, frantic days. Also, to anybody listening, make sure to watch the whole season so that you can get to the end and see what we're referring to because I think I know what you're talking about because I was there. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I'm sure you do. I'm fairly certain that I do. But I'm not going to tell anybody because I'm not going to spoil it. Gotta watch. I'm bad about it, too, because I forget, like, oh, it's a tape product. Not everybody's seen it yet. Um, Because to me, you know, that all that stuff happened back in April, so it's old hat. Um, But I run into we run into continuity problems sometimes from just taping so much in advance. We gotta remember, like, okay, what can I promote right now, and what can't I? What can be honestly advertised as a title match? What can't be? Um, some of the like, it's almost like a riddle. We we always call them the WCW Worldwide tapings because uh, it was hardest during our real empty arena thing because um, we were taping No Hook. We did two seasons of No Hook. We did three seasons of Contenders all right together then we did two other standalone two or three other standalone shows um and then there's continuity with all of them but they were airing out of order and like because we were getting them done out of order like we had sponsorships for this show and not for this one so we could air this one here but not that one um but just like trying to get that figured out to where we finally just had like a like a marvel universe here's where you are in the timeline so um to kind of explain things because like no hook like jay rose was doing the editing on that so like and it was running a little bit behind but contenders was ready to go but contenders technically took place after no hook like so it was uh it was kind of fun though it was kind of fun like in a in a puzzle sort of like can you keep this continuity straight and then like people are like writing some logs or on twitter trying to figure everything out and they're making some good points i'm like man I, i didn't even think about that but that does make sense but they're like, oh, look at this brilliant writing that they built this up over the thing. We did not. That was total luck. Um, but I'm glad you thought that we had that much foresight. I think it's cool that to see an indie company that can tell stories like that. Because um, not every indie company, but some some indie companies, and don't get me wrong, great too, where it's there's not much story. It's just like, this is a great match. And and I like those shows too. Like, you know, like a series of just like dream matches or whatever you want to call it. But I do enjoy the, the story aspect of some of the things that, that y'all do at Paradigm um, and how you build up feuds. And it kind of makes those seem like a little more special. I appreciate that. Like, uh a lot of our creative will be real on this is just uh, ripped off of uh, MMA I watched that is older, so our audience doesn't remember it. Uh, I always joke with uh, uh, Rin, one of our ring announcers, thinks I'm very creative and smart about certain things, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm just referencing things that happened before you were born, just to wholesale ripping them off. That's funny. You're just too young to know that I'm ripping it off. Uh, <laughs> 
but like you know that, that's that's what wrestling is is recycling tributes you know pulling things out and putting it together to form something new um so we do try um especially like the blue brand like i know there's some general thought that like since we run shoot style and we're more straightforward in our wrestling style that maybe we don't tell stories but we do try to tell stories uh, they're just presented in a different manner and sometimes they're presented more like rivalries um or like long building few things um like uh, Ron Mathis and Bobby Beverly is a good example for us at the Blue Brand. They've actually been feuding for three years now. So like going on and off. Now that's not three years of constant matches like it will be in the WWE. They've had only had, let's say, five matches in that time period, five, six matches in three years, which is a lot of matches, don't get me wrong. But it's not like the we've got them interacting every week. But the core nucleus of it is these two guys are pretty similar to each other, but they hate each other. And, you know, and... They're going to probably fight for all of mankind. You know, that's probably our flair steamboat of it. Um, they're going to fight for always because every time we do it, um, it A, is good at selling tickets. It's a good mover for us as a draw, so we go back to it a lot. And B, uh, it's good in ringing every time. So we come back to it a lot there. But we do try to tell some stories. Um, now, it's not going to be your stories like, uh, you know, your Gene Snitsky uh, just killed my baby we're married sort of feud it's going to be like uh, more like big beefs feud with lord crew where he's like you know lord crew's beaten him twice and he just can't get over it because he's undefeated otherwise but lord crew no matter when they face him gets the better of him and you know that's the whole crux of the feud so like there is a story there there's emotion and passion uh but i try not to be as out there i guess as some other story-based places well, and the- enough to do a chicago storyline so to speak well, and the, the I guess, again, having, as you know, been at the, the tapings, the overarching story of the tapings is kind of without giving anything away. Like, that kind of had, like, a good, like, fulfillment at the end. I try to. Um, I... I am probably guilty as a promoter of hot shotting things more than other people would. Um, you know, especially in the South, a lot of the products that you guys follow, they will try to do longer builds. And I've tried to do those, but indie wrestling will indie wrestle me every time. And like somebody will get signed or injured. And then I can't actually blow off this feud I've been planning on blowing off for years. Like the best late plans will fall apart. So anymore, I'm like, I've got this idea. Uh, let's just go ahead and do it. And, like, we'll try to tell that story in a more condensed... It's easier with the tapings, because then I can at least... I know that I'm going to have from, you know, episode one to episode eight. But, like, we'll try to more subtly plant seeds for future shows, but just in case we can't go back to it. Um, Like, one of my frustrations right now, um, and it's not on either guy. They've both got great opportunities, but, like, Lloyd Crew versus Big Beef, we're doing these PPW rewinds to rebuild that, because originally they were going to do part three in Terminal Combat, but neither guy actually is now available for the show just due to scheduling conflicts and everything else. But that's wrestling for you. That's just what happens. And even though that's already in the episode, like it ain't that big a deal. We just move on. We'll come back to that match when we can. Uh, so it's a double-edged sword, but like, cause you really, it's hard sometimes to actually get the payoff that you want, that you spent, you know, a year building. Well, I'm excited to see how all of that plays out. Um, with your upcoming Terminal Combat. I'm really excited for it. (laughs) 
Um, I hope that everyone continues to watch on IWTV for the UWFI Contender Series that you taped. Um, I, I'm fairly certain I was in the building till like 1.30 in the morning. Um, <laughs> but I will say of all of the independent wrestling uh, shows and venues I've been to, y'all have the nicest chairs. Really? Because they're really, they're really, yeah, they're they're really squishy ones. A lot of butt padding. So I'm going to sit there for five hours or whatever. First compliment I think that that building has been given. um, Perhaps ever. (laughs) The bathrooms were a little, you know, a little to be desired, but they worked and functioned as bathrooms. I heard that that was an upgrade. Here's the thing. The bathroom (laughs) is so much better than it was two years ago. Here's the thing. Like, I, I know they're not great, but it's so much, we're trying. It's so much better than it used to be. And I actually, <laughs> Steve was on Twitter talking about, there's toilet paper in the Jeffersonville Arena now. Uh, because we bring toilet paper there. Um, it, it's interesting. Yeah, Nina, I think, was telling me that the bathrooms were an upgrade. I was really, really I was really excited to go to the storied Jeffersonville Arena <laughs> and watch wrestling in it. So I will say, like I said, those chairs, top chairs. Well, so. here's the thing, like, all right, famous venues aren't always all that comfortable. Like the Sportatorium sucked. And, you know, that's a really famous venue. So, like, it's not just, like, on the arena. I like the arena. I like the aesthetic there. Um, it gets hot in the summer is, is the biggest comp- complaint I have. But I, I love running there in the winter. I, I think it films well. Like, I love filming contenders there because I like how it comes across on camera. Yeah, it's, I think it's, yeah, what you kind of would expect for indie wrestling in some ways. I don't know. I kind of would expect, like, a full, like, I don't know, like, big fancy, like, arena seat. I don't expect that. Like, you know, that's about what I expect for indie wrestling. Well, I'll tell you one thing we've run that was luxurious was the King of Clubs up in Columbus, Ohio. We've run two shows up there. Um, Ohio Wrestling Alliance. uh, That's their home building. So nice. It's like this music club. It's like a house of blues. Like Bathrooms are great. There's multiple facilities. we got a whole backstage area. Um, And Justin, the promoter for OWA, because we were co-promoting shows with him, really spoils his wrestling. So he's got catering. And I'm like, man, you're really blowing up my spot. I don't I'm not this nice to people. He's like <laughs> catering. He's got these uh, folders prepared with people, and we're at this nice venue with couches. It's climate controlled, and I have to tell all my rosters, "Yeah, but it's back to the Jeffersonville Arena next month, y'all." <laughs> <laughs> Don't get used to this. Don't get used to this luxury. Oh, so uh, I'm just gonna move on to some just like kind of like fun, random, weird questions. Okay. Um, if you had an action figure of yourself and it was one of the ones that could like say phrases, what would you want it to say and what accessories would it come with? So my wife actually, I, I don't have it on camera. My wife did get a custom action figure of me done. Aww. Wrestling gear um, over from some makers in Germany. It looks like a Hasbro one. Uh, and he's got a bat, which is what I used in a couple of matches. Um, what would I say? Uh, I guess without being uh, 
I, there's a few, uh, there's a few that, and I think the workers will appreciate this. This might go over that to other people. Uh, when I ask a lot of people, how do you feel about hardcore? You know, that's, uh, worker specific, but I think I've probably asked everyone in my office that at a different point. Um, another one would be, Hey man, uh, how you feel about working more than once tonight? Um, that's another one I think everybody's heard. Uh, you know, Jordan Blade and Dom Greeny, I think now expect that they're going to work for matches when they come in for blue brand taping, regardless. My, my favorite story on that once is I booked a tournament show. Dom was on the show, agenting the whole show. Dom was not in the tournament, yet still worked multiple times on that show. He still worked three matches that taping for us, and he was not in the weight class for the tournament that was even happening. Um, so I, I'd say those are probably the two things that, how you feel about hardcore, and can you work more than one match? <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, oh my, my, uh, the other one, and this is true from all indie wrestlers. Now, it's not the best payday, but... <laughs> Now, I, I, I think uh, that that could be one for every indie wrestling promoter. Because <laughs> you'll always give your sales pitch on why it's, it's still okay to come here thereafter. So, I am a Snackosaurus Rex. I love snacks. I'm going to ask you, what are your go-to, like, road snacks or show day snacks? Because I know that you guys travel, like, a little bit. You're not always in Jeffersonville at the arena. Sometimes you get bougie, apparently. Yeah, only when we're in Ohio. That's the only place we can afford it. Um, <laughs> um, my go-to road snacks would probably be, I really like cheese danishes. I love a cheese danish, but not like a fresh one from a bakery. I don't want that. I don't like those. I need that one that's in that plastic packaging that's been on that little Delby shelf for maybe a year. It's probably shelf stable, but it's like nice and soft and it's got cream cheese on that. Probably my go-to. I'm also uh, eat a ton of cookies. Um, if I can stop at Sheets, they've got a burger with mozzarella sticks on top. And whoever thought of the idea of mozzarella sticks, they've got a they've got a burger that's topped with. I want to say it's. Provolone cheese, mozzarella sticks, and marinara sauce. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. Sheets versus Wawa. Like, Sheets wins every time. And if you disagree, you're wrong. I've never been to a Sheets or a Wawa. All right. Well, that's the classic wrestling Twitter debate. Wawa yes. People, you're wrong. Sheets is the best. I've seen that. Here we have Casey's and Come and Go. Uh, Casey's is good. Uh, you know, Casey's Pizza I'll eat. I grew up with the Casey's. Casey's Pizza's uh, lit. I used to actually ride my bike down to a Casey's uh, when I was a kid and get some of their pizza. So I enjoy their pizza. Um, then and I'm going to say slushies. Slushies are probably like a Slurpee is my other go-to. Do you have a flavor that you prefer? Uh, frozen Coke generally is going to be my favorite. Um, I also people, if they ever see me at a show, uh, I drink way too many energy drinks. I have recently cut down on them uh, for some health reasons, but I will still drink uh, an energy drink or two a day. I had to switch, though, my soda to fucking caffeine-free, which is terrible. This caffeine-free Diet Coke is bullshit. Um, but I All had the terrible of parts of Diet Coke with none of the payoff. <laughs> none of the payoff whatsoever. Uh, the caffeine-free Coke Zero is better than the caffeine-free Diet Coke. 
but it's harder to find as well. Diet Coke is what I drink when I like want to punish myself <laughs> for like, like I want a pop so bad, but I'm like, because <laughs> I just know that I shouldn't drink that much soda. Sure. But like, Diet Coke. <laughs> Um, do you have any pre-show rituals? Chain smoking is the biggest one. Uh, I sadly smoke cigarettes. Uh, me and Cam is another promoter for PPW. He also smokes. Um, so we will smoke and pace around the parking lot a lot. It's a common one. Um, the night before, prior to the pandemic, we had, Cam and I had a ritual where we would always go see a sequel of some sort before prior so like uh it didn't matter what the sequel was of it just had to be a part two or more or a prequel it had to be you know something from an existing franchise so a new fast and the furious movie a new star wars whatever we would do those before shows now we go to this uh, little fast food chain we've been going there a lot called golden twist it's not a chain it's an independent fast food company that's got like ice cream and burgers uh me and james duncan who's one of our production guys in commentary will go and have a burger and kind of talk and commiserate um you know bitch about whatever it is to bitch about whoever we're mad at right now whoever i'm mad at right now generally um i don't stay mad often but when i'm mad at someone it's very dramatic um so we'll go and talk about that those are probably like my biggest ones um you know for a while in the jeffersonville arena it was like go clean the flooding out of the basement um you know go because the basement sub pump was not working well. So oh no. A push, like a push thing on there. So you'd have to push some of the water out into the hole to make it go down. Um, so I, I did that once for hours prior to WWFI Contender Season 2. So that, that was the worst ritual, probably. Um, and then I ended up, didn't even, none of the wrestlers even used the locker rooms because it was an empty arena taping, so they all just stayed around the ring. Because I got it as dry as I could, but it was still damp down there, so people were like, ah, oh, we'll just be up here. And it's like, oh, I hope I don't get canceled because this is supposed to be an empty arena taping, and it doesn't look empty because you all are ringside, but they did have a mask and everything. It was just the wrestlers that were on the show. Well, I mean, you know, it turned out okay. Yeah, it worked out fine. Uh, those shows were a lot. So we've talked a lot about your, you know, the shows that you've done, but do you have any like really horrible, like either really funny or like just like everything went wrong show like stories? Yeah. Like I feel <laughs> everything goes wrong every show. Um, um, like the biggest like one that you remember that you're like never again or like... oh, probably okay so for our show at the collective right matthew justice really wanted to do a clockwork orange house of fun match and like i have a hard time saying no to matt so i finally said yes and it, but where he got me was he's like we got to get this kennel fence and expensive he's like i need two panels of it He's like, I'm only going to break one panel so you can return the other one after the show, which is something that indie promoters definitely do. He broke both yes, of them like the first minute of the match. And it's like, well, that, that one's not going back to, to Menards. Um, 
So we will not be doing any more Clockwork Houses of Fun matches because that was very, very expensive. Um, but in terms of everything going wrong, oh, one time Reed Bentley broke a ceiling fan too at the American Legion and I start shouting at him, like, why'd you break a ceiling fan? And like, this is on camera. He's like, why would you book this match in this building? And I'm like, that's a fair point. And then luckily we go to intermission, but like, you can't really hear us on the stream because I watched afterwards, but the, the front row crowd definitely got this, like, is happening like right after. And I'm like, that's a fair point, Reed. Why would I book this in this building? Um, so I think it was him or Murdoch like broke a ceiling fan um, Justice used to break things I think just to mess with my head and then throw them at me um, so like stuff like that because we tried our hard <laughs> Shug D broke a pillar at our anniversary show Shug D versus Myron Reed a match you wouldn't think would be like yeah that's not like hardcore guys or like deathmatch guys no, it's like we've got a five-way death match on that same show. They didn't break a pillar. Shug D and Myron Reed broke that pillar, though. And that's another one on the stream. You can just see it because he does two spots into the pillar, and I'm just on camera. Shug, get off the pillar! Because um, I'm, like, worried about losing this building because that's a, you know, thing that promoters have to deal with. The American Legion was totally chill. It was We did have to pay to replace that pillar, but it was the... I don't know that it was the same pillar, but when Unsanctioned ran that building, they also broke a pillar. But, like, what freaks me out for people that haven't been in the American Legion, there's these four pillars. They're low-bearing pillars. Right? So stay off these pillars. There's this cheap uh, – we just break the drywall, but they're actual joists in, in between them that hold up the building. So, like, don't do a spot into this pillar. Like, it's not a good idea because we run – for the people that haven't been in the American Legion, it's – it's two floors and it's got a really low ceiling on both floors, but we run on the basement level, which does have a ground entrance, but it's like a split level place. So there's a whole floor and a whole restaurant, a whole club uh, happening above it. It's like, let's stay off these pillars. Right. You know, um, but they, yeah, you they, don't want, you don't want this for the top floor to come crashing down on the people. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it, the building is structurally sound. We, uh, um, you know, we just, we get a permit for it every year, <laughs> but I always worry, like, that's a joist. Like you, you, you don't mess with that. Um, the other things that happen, like, uh, people canceling and us having to, one was when we actually show in Ohio, <clears throat> it was Doug and I and, and Cam, we're all in the car together. And this was a co-branded show. So I had booked some of the matches, Doug had broke some of the matches in Jordan. And actually J Rose had booked some of the matches as well, because it's part of, uh, the our Juneteenth card. Um, <clears throat> and we had so many cancellations happening. Um, cars falling apart. Wrestler can't make it, had to change the whole storyline. Um, so I decided, uh, you know, let's go ahead and do title change because I will often do a title change like when we've had things around. Uh, so Hoodfoot drops to Isaiah Broner on this show. Isaiah Broner tears his, like, NCL, Achilles Hill or something. So he just gets our title and is injured immediately after. So then we have to create an interim championship and I should have just left the belt on good blood. Uh, but who knew he was going to get injured in that match, right? And Broner's a great guy, healed up, came back and had some killer matches. But that was just one show that I like an example. Like everything that could go wrong seemed to go wrong. Uh, but we had a sold out crowd at the game clubs that night. Um, and my parents were at that show, which was very cool because they don't come to many of my shows. Uh, so I still loved that show. I'm still very fond of that show, but like 
we just started laughing about halfway through because no matter what we tried to do, it was falling apart. Um, Ron Mathis actually saved us that day because uh, we had a bunch of cancellations. And I'm like, I'm going to call Ron Mathis. Ron Mathis is going to get there and it's going to be fine. And Ron Mathis got there and it was fine. So that's how Ron Mathis somehow ended up on a Juneteenth card. Um, it might not have thematically fit, but he was available and willing to come last minute. Um, that, that's the joke. Ron Mathis is like the ultimate company man in that he's filled in for us in so many weird different spots. There's so many times when I've hit up, Mathis keeps late hours like I do. I'm up very late. You know, I'm up, you know, three, four in the morning. Mathis is also up at three, four in the morning. So he's got in a lot of places where I'm like, I know I can call Mathis right now or text Mathis right now and it'll be fine. He'll come, he'll come save the day. Um, I think he filled in uh-huh. for us on short notice for injuries and things like that, probably seven, eight times. Um, and then at that point, like this was earlier on, I'm just like, I should probably just go ahead and book Mathis preemptively for every show now. He's going to be there anyway. Like he's going to end up there. Gonna, yeah. But uh, that was one of them. Like uh, in Pocket 2, he actually saved the day there too because uh, it was supposed to be Matthew Justice versus Levi Everett. And, but Pocket 2 was the week after Mania Weekend in Florida. They both got injured Mania Weekend. So we ended up, the main event ended up being a totally different match. Ron Mathis was Big Beef. And both guys, Mathis took, I want to say the match was on Saturday and he took it on like Friday. You know, he, he, he pulled us out of a, a, a number of pickles. I, I love Ron Mathis and Bruce Gray and Tyler Box, DD Trash. Those guys are great. I, um, the taping was really the first time that I remember seeing them. They might have worked the Paradigm Show, the Collective, but I wasn't as into. I was first getting into everything, so I maybe like there's a lot I don't really remember specifics of on that. But um, DD Trash at the tapings that I went to, fantastic. Like I kind of liked them before. I really like them now. <laughs> They're great, and Mathis Mathis can literally do anything. Like. I want to shoot Sal promotion and the fact that like I call Ron and he's like, I had an injury. It was him filling in on an injury for contender season one. I'm like, you want to work shoot style? He's like, I don't have that background at all, but yes, I do. I'll figure it out. And like, that's just his attitude towards everything. And he does figure it out and ends up being really good. He's really entertaining him and Bruce are, uh, you, you know, two of, for my money, the best entertainers in wrestling. Um, and they're both really good in ring too, really underrated in ring. Mathis is a great talent. Um, so is Bruce, for that matter. But, like, uh, of like the people, if I had to, you know, if you're going to tell me who's the most underrated people on the indies, it's DD Trash. Uh, DD Trash is going to be my answer 100% of the time. I, like I said, I was very, like, I kind of knew them from before. But seeing them at the tapings was so much fun. Like, they were very entertaining, the whole, the whole lot of them. And it's cool that Ron can kind of work everything. And I got definitely like a different perspective after seeing them in person. So. Sure. Yeah. And really he's down for anything too. He's done death matches for us. He's done shoot style. I did him in a British rounds match and he came out as Austin power. Like it's great. Um, but, you know, we've got a lot of really talented people that have, like, pulled us through some bad situations. Jordan Blade's another one. Um, one of the shows oh, you asked me if it was going wrong, um, PPW Grand Prix 3 in March, uh, or Grand Prix 4, it was Grand Prix 4, uh, 
So she's booked to go to the finals, and she's booked to go to a draw on the show beforehand. So she's working five matches that night, and her flight gets canceled. And I'm like, holy shit, this whole show is booked around Jordan Blake. Now, we ended up getting her there. I had to shame American Airlines on Twitter, and they responded. And we ended up having to fly Jordan into Cincinnati and drive, have her driven down here to Jeffersonville and fly out of Louisville. But that was such a disaster. She literally, like, went from her car, went from the car into the ring almost against Eden. Like, it was that time pressed to do it. And then she went on and worked her five matches that night, um, which is insane. You know, the fact that somebody worked five matches directly after hours of travel delays, immediately getting off the plane and killed it in all of them. Um, is that, you know, we've got a, the wrestlers are kind of what makes this all worthwhile. When we get to have a moment like that where it's like, despite everything, like this was still pretty awesome. I I love Jordan Blade. I love watching her just kick ass, so... I will watch any and all Jordan Blade matches. Um, thoroughly enjoy her work. So, moving on to just some, again, just some more kind of like fun, lighthearted, not so stressful, maybe questions. Um, do you have any hidden talents? <laughs> it can be anything big or small maybe you can juggle i don't know i cannot juggle i assure you i cannot juggle i'm not a very good singer um i'm a licensed attorney but that's not really a secret t- talent um i'm great at arguing but that goes with being an attorney um i think i'm a moderate the passable booker for wrestling hidden talents um I used to be a writer, so I guess maybe that. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't know that about me. I was actually a published journalist for a long time. Um, I speak Spanish. Uh, a lot of people might not know that about me. Um, I'd say, like, if I had hidden talents, those would be two of the bigger ones. Okay. Yeah, that, I can't do those things. So, talent to me. Um, if you could go back in time, what would you tell a 10-year-old version of yourself? My go-to answer is really silly, but it would be Trevor Court needs to be paradigm champion. We need to completely rewrite the beginning of the company, how we did it. I would rewrite it so he won the initial title tournament. It was our initial champion, and we built to it. Um, the other one would probably be – I'm going to make this wrestling related because I can't think of it in personal life um, things. Other things, if I could go back and change, uh, Matthew Justice should have won our title at some point um, when he was here during like, the height of his run. It's something that I would go back and change that. Outside of wrestling, what would I change? You know, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily change anything. Uh, my life has been kind of a roller coaster, but like I've got to do a lot of cool things. I got to live in South America for a while. I got to live in Europe for a while. I won a wrestling company. Uh, I'm happily married. We get to travel a lot. Like uh, my life's pretty cool. Like I, I like my life a lot, so I don't know that there's any necessarily anything I'd change. There's plenty of things that change wrestling booking wise, though. Looking back, your child's will be like, "I don't understand this now," and you're like, "But you will." <laughs> uh, oh, I guess one thing: uh, my mom passed away in October, um, and my mom and I were not close. 
Um, I was raised by my dad and my stepmom. So if I could go back, my mom and I were close for times, but we had some political disagreements. I'm far more left of center than she was. Maybe talking to her a bit more. We did get close again right before she passed, but um, maybe talking to her more. I guess if I had to change one thing back. Okay. What is the biggest animal that you could take in a fight with just your hands? Oh, maybe a I like, I, I can't fight. Like, um, I used to be able to handle myself, but I've got, uh, I'm out of shape. Um, I, I'm going to make it about 15 feet, you know, if I have to run anywhere. Um, I got like three punches before I'm totally blown up. Um, and so like, uh, cause my rule of thumb with dogs is I would never have a dog unless I was confident if push came to shove, I could kick its ass. Um, because, uh, my dad's first wife, uh, my sister's mother, um, they had a, I want to say it was a Rottweiler and they had it for years. So it was fine. One day it turned on her and put her in the hospital. You know, you, you never know what dogs like, right. It yeah. just snapped. This is a dog, you know, that they had photos when the dog was a puppy with their, the babies. Like it was the nicest dog in the world until one day it wasn't. So like my rule of thumb is like, if I'm going to have a dog, I need to be sure that I can take it in a fight. Uh, but right now my confidence would just be a Chihuahua, I suppose, uh, which are my favorite kind of dogs. Anyway, they're great. I used to have one. Um, love Chihuahuas. Sure. So how do you take your pancakes? Like, are you just a, like, what do you use for toppings? What kind of pancakes do you like? Like, I had some chocolate chip pancakes this weekend, actually. Um, I do enjoy chocolate chip pancakes. Um, I'd say pancakes aren't my favorite, though. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I prefer French toast. Okay, at least you didn't say waffles. Oh, no, waffles are trash. I love Waffle House. Thank you. I love Waffle House, but waffles are trash. Waffles are trash. Um, I go to Waffle House because I love the hash browns. But French the toast... Same. Uh, so I get the Philly steak cash from from, from uh, Waffle House. It's my favorite. That's well, like a post-show ritual. On the off chance that I'm near a Waffle House, the closest one to me is like two and a half hours away. Um, on the off chance I'm near a Waffle House, it's always um, just hash browns and bacon for Val. Hash browns and bacon. That's a simple order. It's I get the Philly steak cash from bowl add tomato. Um, and I love, oh, you know, we actually did a whole feud once built around Waffle House. Um, and one also built around Denny's. Um, so we clearly have, you know, food on the mind. But we did a whole feud where Yo-Yo was insulting Waffle House and Chase Holiday was defending the honor of Waffle House. I recall this. We <laughs> posted back and forth. I think they did promos in the Waffle House parking lot. Um, and that was the same Waffle House I go to after every show. Um, so, you know, Paradigm is very pro-Waffle House. We are less pro-Denny's because Denny's always messes up our food. But Denny's has pancakes. IHOP is hit or miss. IHOP, the last time I went to IHOP that I can remember, Cam, our co-owner, was with me. I actually had a sign that says, if you're, basically, this is not exactly what it said, but it basically said, if your visit is terrible, please call this number. Like, they had, they just knew it was going to be bad going in. Like, you just manifested it and like they tried to recook my food like four different times couldn't get my order right kept just bringing me out and it was the manager at this point i had ordered a certain kind of burger and they kept bringing out food that was not my burger like the first they bring me out a chicken sandwich and i'm like it's not even me trying to like be petty or complain 
And she's like, I ordered a cheeseburger. Because this is when they were trying to do the International House of Burgers thing. And then they bring me back a pepper cheeseburger, which is just covered in jalapenos, and I can't eat it because it's too spicy. Uh, so that that's more or less. Waffle House never fails me. I'm very much, I'm a, I'm a picky eater. And so I special order a lot of things. And I get, I try to be really nice and understanding about it, but I do kind of get like zero to 60 pissed in like two seconds when it's like my food isn't correct. <laughs> I eat out pretty constantly. So that's a theme I deal with in my life. Uh, we don't cook a whole lot at home. I like to eat out. Um, and, you know, as all the signs and all the restaurants say, the whole world is short staffed right now. Um, so I try to deal with it, but my order gets messed up a lot. My DoorDash gets messed up a lot. I'm exchanging angry text messages with DoorDash or, uh, on a weekly basis. <laughs> so you said you like cookies earlier. So this question went from mildly important to like a little bit more important. So, um, just take like this journey with me. I'm just going to put your mind in the right place. So you decide you're hungry, you want something sweet, you go to the store, you love cookies. So you find yourself in the cookie aisle and there are just so many cookies that you want. You don't want like chocolate chip or peanut butter. You want America's favorite cookie, which is the Oreo. So you go to the Oreo section and you're looking around and there's all the different flavors, but you don't want any of the different flavors. You want just like the OG, like chocolate cookie, white cream center Oreo. But like now you still have choices, right? Because you can get like the thin Oreos or you can get like the regular, just like single stuffed Oreos or you can get like a double stuffed Oreo or in this instance, you can even get one of the mega stuffed Oreos. So like which Oreo are you going for? Okay, so they've got one bigger than the mega stuffed Oreo now called the most stuffed. And it actually just comes, uh, I just actually had one. It comes with two Oreos in there and it's like, I want to say like, quadruple cream uh, which is pretty cool it's a cool novelty but a double stuffed is the proper ratio the mega stuffed is too much the most stuffed is way too much like it's cool to do once as a novelty but a double stuffed is the, is the proper ratio um, but you know what I prefer over Oreos is going to be the Keebler Elf Fudge Elves the, the double stuffed fudge ones of those are, are my favorite and double stuffed is the right it's the same as like with the Oreos where you can get the different kinds. Um, and if it's going to be an Oreo, I want it to be a golden Oreo as well. You want it to be what? A golden Oreo. Oh, I don't know what I thought you said, but that wasn't it. Okay. <laughs> I don't love the chocolate Oreos. Uh, I'll eat them, don't get me wrong, but the golden ones I prefer. But the important thing is that you answered the question correctly, <laughs> which, which is double ready. stuff. Yes. <laughs> it's not like an officially like there's no official correct answer but there kind of is and no, it's double agree. stuff there's a right and wrong answer there and double stuff is the right answer absolutely um now kind of done with with the val questions now it's time we go to christopher for questions from chat yes we have a few questions from chat and uh gary you can stay because you answered correctly with the double stuff oreos I'm good to know. So uh, we'll roll right into them. Uh, Drinking at Moe's was in the chat hanging out. Um, Had a few questions I want to kind of combine two here. 
So uh, they said with uh, NJPW doing a lot of work in the States, are there any thoughts of bringing in some of that talent? And then also asked, who's some people you haven't booked that you'd want to? So kind of combine those two questions together. Uh, NJ, uh, New Japan. Um, yeah, New Japan's got some great talent. Um, we actually did do some work with, we split flights with them for Tom Lawler. Um, so uh, I PayPal'd them once and it was really cool because I get a PayPal receipt from New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, which made me mark out a little bit. I'm like, hey, can I claim we work with New Japan now? Because we just split a plane ticket. Um, well, we didn't, but like, you know, Zack Sabre Jr. is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. Um, so um, that there. Wrestlers we have, would like to book that we haven't brought in yet. Um, King Mo is probably the top of my bucket list. Uh, King Mo Lawler. So he's done some work for MLW. He used to be Strike Force Light Heavyweight Champion. He's another MMA crossover. Uh, I'd love to work with him. Um, Ken Shamrock would be another one kind of on the bucket list of uh, probably we couldn't afford in our current scenario, but <laughs> would love to bring him in. Um, those would probably be the biggest ones for me. Ken Shamrock would cost a lot of doors. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Severin costs a lot of doors as well. <laughs> but I will say we did reach out to Kim Jamrock for Terminal Combat 1, and we did not hear back from his agent for a year. But then they got back to me a year later. Um, <laughs> whereas Dan Severin um, was on top of re- responding to phone calls, and you know, because we brought Dan Severin, and Dan's a cool guy. Very cool. All right, uh, we got some more questions here. We got one from Vic. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you've seen pulled out from under the ring? So, okay, weirdest, scariest thing I'm going to go with, uh, and Don Greeny will collaborate this for me. We did a street fight between Ron Mathis and John Wayne Murdoch, and they pulled out tiki torches. And these are dollar store tiki torches that have these metal candle holders on top. And the issue with them was when they would hit each other with them, the candle holders would just like fly off into the crowd. And one just like whizzed by Dom's face. Oh, jeez. And Dom was like, my life just flashed before my eyes. (laughs) That or Matthew Justice, uh, and Bradley Prescott, the first, our first heavy hitters tournament, they were using full cases of natural light as weapons. And, like, just, like, a full case ended up in the crowd because they deflected one of them. And it's just, like, raining beers on our audience. And I'm like, oh, my God, the liability of this is just so much. It's just so much. Luckily, the fans were cool with it. Another Matthew Justice match, he throws a, a trash can lid into the crowd, and it hits this child in Ohio. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. Um, so... Those would probably be the biggest ones. <laughs> the beer, the beer, I could see the crowd being okay with. The child getting hit with the trash can lid. Eh, yeah, that might be. Yeah, the it's beer nobody complained about. Happens. Uh, but what was funny with the kid, because the kid's very upset about it. Matt's trying to make him okay. And the dad's like, he needs to stop crying and get over it. It didn't hit him that hard. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm just like I don't know what to do right now I guess I'm on the dad side because I don't want to get sued (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Well, speaking of getting hit hard with something, uh, old bad guy had a question about uh, Brett Eisen. Brett Eisen is back. Is Brett Eisen possibly also going to return to Paradigm? I could definitely see Brett Eisen back in Paradigm. Uh, Brett does not like working UWFI rules. Um, so he would probably be on the red brand, but I could definitely see Brett Eisen come back to Paradigm. Brett's a great talent, great guy. Excellent. We'll look forward to that possibly happening. And one more question from the chat is from our VIP Vic. It is one of his staple questions. In your opinion, Gary, what is your favorite gear of all time? Any wrestler out there. So could be HBK's classic gear. Could be the Ric Flair Glacier. coming out in his Glacier. robe. Glacier. Answer here is Glacier. Glacier. Hell yeah. Full, full on done up. Coming out with the, with the, the snow coming down. Glacier. I mean, that's badass. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I knew the answer immediately. <laughs> Hey, you're a man who knows what you like. That's great. <laughs> I love Mortal Kombat, so Glacier was great. Uh, Mortis would be probably be my second favorite. Uh, yes, Mortis was you a did, good one, too. You did say you were a WCW guy, so that's all okay. I That's the golden era. Uh, Raven, I always enjoyed Raven stuff as well. Um, just that grunge look, um, probably closer to how I dress in real life. So, Very cool. Well, that was questions from chat. Thank you, everybody, for the questions. Gary, thanks for answering them. Val, it's back to you. Hell yeah. Well, um, now is the time where you tell us all about your, your upcoming shows and what is in the works with, with Paradigm. Okay, cool. Let me uh, pull, pull up, up your calendar. There. Yeah. <laughs> Look at some posters. So tonight we have a premiere on... Uh, IWTV. We've got episode six of UWFI Contenders premiering. Uh, it's main evented by Dominic Greeny versus the locksmith Brandon Williams. Uh, we've also got Jake Bravado, who I think is one of the top prospects right now for Paradigm, against Derek Neal, who always hits real hard. Steve Pena versus Austin Conley. That's going to be another great one. Uh, Weber Hatfield filling in on short notice against Dustin Leonard. Um, and then the Bonnie Englands, Eden and Sid, um, taking on Arthur McArthur and Casey Carrington, the fourth of the AIW Academy. So that premieres tonight at 10, just about 35 minutes away. Um, we've got a show on Friday, a red brand show. Let me look up the details of that real quick so I can keep things straight. Um, and that's called Sound the Horns. It's this Friday at the Jeffersonville Arena, so just two days away. Uh, that's going to be main evented by a triple threat match for the number one contendership to the Paradigm title. Uh, between Myron Reed, Chase Holiday, and Merrick Donovan. Uh, we've also got a great Indiana versus Tennessee match on there with Zay Washington versus Cole Radrick. Uh, Shooters Don't Die are defending the tag titles against the Shot Callers. We've got a, a hospital with Ron Bass Jr. versus Juicy Jimmy. Um, and uh, Croc the Croc versus Big Beef in another hospital. Uh, we got Flash Thompson and the Ben Sheeran brand on here. I love Flash. Um, What's so funny about Flash is that, like, Flash could fuck up most people in wrestling, no problem. And, like, he has the funniest gimmick uh, ever. Uh, but, like, Flash is legit. He did this hot chick challenge, right? And totally no sold it. He had no issues whatsoever with it. 
just like eats it, Doug got it on camera, even to prove like, dude is tough and crazy. Uh, so we, we love Flash. Um, so that's this Friday. And the next Blue Brand show, the next show for me is going to be July 15th. Um, and that's going to be at the American Legion in Sellersburg, Indiana. That show is Terminal Combat Part 2. That will stream live on IWTV. Um, we've got a great card there. Austin Conley versus Max Impaler. Eden uh, Von England versus Jordan Blade. Dominic Greeny versus Bobby Beverly. Ron Mathis versus Tom Lawler. Uh, we've also got Jake Bravado, the swinger Ryan Clark. Uh, <clears throat> Max Zero versus Josh Crane. Um, you know, that's a really good card. And then uh, we've got our anniversary show is coming up. We're actually going to debut in New Jersey at the H2O Wrestling Center. Um, that's going to be main evented by a ultraviolet Ironman match between Ron Mathis and Bobby Beverly, 60 minutes. Um, we're also going to have a full UWO Fire Rules card on that. Then I've got some other things cooking um, that aren't official yet, but there will be another heavy hitters tournament. Uh, will be our fourth one. Um, we're targeting debuting um, somewhere in northern Indiana. Um, you know, in the within the next year would be nice. And you know, Paradigm, we're always looking to grow the brand. So I'll just say as an open plug, any promoter out there that you want to face off under UWFI rules, we want to come to you. You know, grandstand challenge. You know, action wrestling. We'll come fuck you guys up. TWE, we'll come fuck you guys up. Any promotion that wants to face off in UWFI rules, love to do it. And I say we'll come fuck you guys up with the most utmost respect. I don't want any heat. I love y'all. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'd love to take the UWFI rules brand uh, on the road more, um, different parts of the country. You know, uh, we'd love to do that. So that's something we're going to work on doing soon. Nice. Yeah. Get that UWFI kind of showcase in, in different places and see some different talents do those things. I know being in Indiana, it seems like you get a good mix of talent from different kind of trying to get some Eastern talent and some some Southern kind of guys and some Midwest people, but to see more would be nice. Yeah, we'd love to do it. Northeast, Southeast. Uh, you know, I know IWTV is big on the Southeast first right now. Uh, Indiana kept wrestling alive, period, during the pandemic. We kept it alive. Indiana's the home of wrestling. Um, so I'd love to see our roster against anybody. Um, I'll take off my promoter hat for a minute. But, you know, we love to work together with everybody. We get, um, we're laid back. We're good, easy to deal with, I, I think. Um, we'd love to get Paradigm out there more. Uh, and not just in Southern Indiana. And that's why we love IWTV so much, you know, getting to talk to people that aren't in Indiana, um, reading their reviews on Cage Match in German and going to Google Translate on those ones. And why is everything rated a six? They'll be like, it was great. We loved everything. Six out of 10. And I'm just like, come on, man, guys. Kill me. At least six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. I appreciate you taking the time to chit chat with me about all of the goings on with Paradigm. Um, where can people find you and Paradigm on social media? Um, if you have Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, OnlyFans, TikTok, merch stores, <laughs> plug it all. No OnlyFans, I don't think anybody wants that. Um, so I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle, handle is at GJW34. 
I do have a Facebook account. I do not use it for wrestling, so please do not add me on there. Um, but Twitter, I do use for wrestling, so please follow me there. Um, Facebook's really just for my family for the most part. Uh, and for Messenger for people that don't have Twitter. But follow me on Twitter. Paradigm, you can find at ParadigmProWrestling.com. And you should go stream our stuff on IWTV. We've got almost 100 shows on there. Our hunt, uh, Terminal Combat in July will actually be our 100th show, which is Aww. wild to think about. You know, we're, we're a promotion that wasn't supposed to make it past four. And then four shows, that's going to be our 100th show. Um, so that's where you can follow us most easily. You know, come out to a show, buy some tickets. Um, we are always uh, available with MAC sponsorships and wrestle sponsorships. Um, if I could just touch on that, we always appreciate those sponsorships because um, we would not be in business without them, if we're being very honest. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the, our, our lifeblood, and it allows us to do some creative things and treat the wrestling better than they otherwise. Yes, sponsor the Paradigm Shows, like, um, like some people sponsor we love the staff we love bald monkeys we always appreciate that stuff um you know brian ben's another one that has been very good to us uh, and part of that is just to be real honest we're in a wrestling saturated area um you know if we were just relying on the door um you wouldn't be the caliber of shows that people want from us or want from paradigm uh, we don't take a dollar from paradigm i've never taken a dollar out of the account any money we make any show that's profitable like Collective was a profitable show for us, went into funding empty arena shows. Um, so every dollar we make goes back into the company. Um, it's very much a for us, by us. Um, oh, that's Uber. I didn't mean to steal their thunder. Uh, but it's very <laughs> much like uh, we, we, love, we love trying to give a showcase for underrepresented wrestlers, you know, give that spotlight to GLBT talent that might not otherwise, you know, some underrepresented minority talent. We, we love having open doors and the sponsorships really help us do that uh, you know when we don't have to rely on the gate we can really should just showcase the best of the best and that's why i i just i do really enjoy the paradigm product i watch the shows on IWTV as much as i can um like i said going to the taping was fantastic i had a blast um would go again given the chance so go if you have if you're in the area like even if you're not in the area drive 11 hours and and go to paradigm <laughs> please do we actually had somebody fly in for our last uwfi taping um the creeps had to drive him back to the airport because he couldn't get an uber from the jeffersonville arena but like that's the biggest compliment to me is when someone like you or somebody flies into the show or somebody drives in for 11 hours to see us like that's the biggest compliment in the world that really does mean the world to us you know we don't have the the biggest live audience but we do have a lot of people that travel in and i think that speaks to like kind of the uniqueness of the product but it's the the biggest compliment i think it's the coolest thing um and we would not keep going if it wasn't for things like that very sweet so go to paradigm worth it especially if you go to one of the uwfi tapings um you will definitely get your money's worth i think i watched what like 40 minutes <laughs> <laughs> so plenty of time comfy chairs um <laughs> but once again thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight i appreciate you coming and talking with me you don't have to do these things but i appreciate that you do because thank you so much for having us we really appreciate you and your support and the bald monkey support thank you guys for all you do for independent wrestling
bless your heart thank you so make sure to in approximately 25 minutes go check out the uwf fight contender series airing on the iwtv network um listen to me be really loud because i scream a lot and it i'm right by the camera and you can just hear me over everything um, <laughs> but once again thank you so much gary Thank you, everybody in chat, and be sure to join us next week when I talk with the multi-talented Brandon Hamilton. So thank you, everybody, and thank you again, Gary.